Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti, sitting here with Betsy Gara, who's the Executive Director of Cost. Betsy, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for coming down. So, Betsy, tell us a little bit about yourself and exactly what Cost is and how you guys got founded. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, the Connecticut Council of Small Towns was founded in 1975, so okay. just about 46 years ago. And it was founded in large part because there were certain legislators and chief elected officials that felt that small towns were being left out of the conversation in Hartford. Okay. Whether it was talking about budget issues or state mandates, we really didn't feel like small towns had a strong voice at the state capitol. Right. So they founded the Council of Small Towns and it grew from a handful of members to now we range between 110 and 115 members. Oh wow. And we are the only organization that is dedicated exclusively to representing the interests of small towns at the state capitol. Really? So how have you guys with cost basically maneuvered around the legislative session with what's been going on during this time of COVID? Well, it was definitely a challenge, and I think we were all trying to figure out how to navigate during COVID, during the closure of the state capitol. Fortunately, because we had developed very strong relationships with the governor's office, right. his staff, the Office of Policy and Management, we were included in conversations on almost a daily basis from the outset of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic, and that involved assisting them in identifying issues that we needed to address by executive order, mm -hmm. making sure that our members understood what they needed to do to comply with the executive orders, right. and encouraging our members to participate in the legislative process during the Zoom public hearings, meeting with their legislators, and communicating via text and and phone uh, on a regular basis. And we were very lucky. I, I think um, everyone came together. We worked really hard. We worked with other organizations such as CCM, Absolutely. the Connecticut Association of Boards of Education, to really make sure that we were representing our the interests of our members. CCM, so you know my friend Joe DeLong. I do know I Joe. We worked very closely. In fact, during the pandemic, we were on Zoom calls again <laughs> almost daily. Um, so I saw a lot of them absolutely. Uh, from afar, but <laughs> it was great to work with them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So what, ex what do we think the legislative session in 2022 is going to look like? We still don't know. Wow. So there's been some conversation about whether or not they're going to fully reopen the legislative office building. Right. And I think a lot of it depends on where we are in terms of the pandemic, in terms of the positivity rate vaccination rates and so forth you know it can be tough up there you right. go to the capitol it's open to the public uh, and you can get there are times when there are just swarms and swarms of people up there on a particular issue or on a number of issues and it's hard to maintain that social distancing Absolutely. to enforce mask wearing and things of that so we don't know yet Right. Um, my guess is they're going to look to continue to do some of the public hearings and some of the meetings via Zoom, sure. YouTube, and so forth, because it gives people more opportunity to participate. Absolutely, absolutely. So what exactly with cost do you guys do? Well, we're a municipal advocacy organization, okay. and we are, because we have a small staff, mm -hmm. we are focused on making sure that our members understand the issues, that they give us guidance and what issues they'd like us to address at the state capitol. Mm -hmm. And then we make sure that they are in touch with their legislators on a regular basis to navigate those issues through the, through the legislative process. Right. 
Now, what do you think are going to be some hot topic issues coming up in, the, in this year's legislative session? Well, we're looking at a short session, so okay, it begins right. in February and ends in the, about the first week of May. So okay. it, it is a short session, and typically you don't see a lot of big issues, but I think what we're hearing is that there are going to be a number of big issues, such okay. as um, the issue of juvenile crime, uh, right. car thefts. There's been a lot of talk over the summer, the fall, about the incidents of car thefts by juveniles and there's been some debate there's a disagreement as to whether there's an uptick in this type of crime mm -hmm. or whether it's just that the news is reporting more of it or that right. the crimes are becoming more violent so that is certainly an issue that we'll see now let's talk about the zoning and land use policy well you might remember last year yeah. zoning and land use there was a big push to have a um, affordable housing legislation adopted. And there was significant legislation that was adopted. It requires towns, unless they affirmatively opt out, to allow accessory apartments as of right in their communities. And this means as of right that it's a, a pretty quick process, not a lot of uh, red tape and bureaucracy. Mm -hmm but towns can opt out of the process if they want. What we're seeing is that a lot of towns are taking this time to adopt accessory apartment regulations that they feel make sense for their community rather than have the state dictate what those are. The towns are also developing affordable housing plans. And okay. Those are supposed to be completed in spring of 2022. Okay. So it's gonna be interesting to see what's in those plans and how they identify ways of addressing the need for affordable housing in their communities as part of those plans. Absolutely. Now let's talk also talk about a little bit about climate change. Climate change, I mean, you've seen a lot of climate change issues occurring uh, on the shoreline. Right. And for, so for years now, you've had a lot of the shoreline towns focused on addressing flooding, storm surges, rising sea levels, and so forth. But now we're starting to see bigger effects. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know that there are some communities that have taken steps to harden their infrastructure, their water and sewer and utility infrastructure to address those needs. But we're also starting to see impacts in terms of water quality. Uh, it's resulting in higher water temperatures. It's causing a lot more uh, uh, bacteria, algae blooms invasive species. So I think there are going to be some efforts to address that. There's also the big transportation climate initiative. Okay. And this is something that Governor Lamont and Commissioner Dykes from the Department of Energy oh, and Environmental sure. Protection has oh, been pushing. Sure. And it creates a mechanism to fund uh, transportation improvements that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions. That's mm -hmm. going to be very controversial. Cost has not taken a position on that at this point. We are looking at the uh, the uh, issue, waiting to see what the legislation looks like. But that is certainly going to be a big issue and one that was controversial last session. Mm -hmm. Certainly going to be just as controversial this session. Now, how do they figure out from each legislative session or your short session, long session? It's actually set in our state constitution. Oh, is it? Yes. I didn't know that. So it's kind of it's the first Wednesday of the first after the first Monday is okay. the start of the legislative All session, right. and then the end is some other kind of uh, yeah. creative way of concluding the session. Oh, boy. But it is set 
I mean, certainly there are special sessions. Oh, yeah. But by and large, those are our sessions. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, as far as what's going on up with cost and what are some what are some what are some of the other issues that you guys deal with locally with your local municipalities? Well, locally, so this upcoming municipal election, mm -hmm. which is November second, right. as you know, right. uh, there are a number of retiring first selectmen, and so you're going to have a lot of new people. Right. Um, we have about 23 towns where there's an open seat for first selectmen, okay. and so Cost is putting together a series of webinars mm -hmm. to provide some training to newly elected as well as returning municipal leaders on a lot of different areas. One of those is certainly emergency management. We right. hope to hold that with the Department of Emergency Services and Public Protection uh, in January. Mm -hmm. Because one of the top things that a, a first selectman or mayor has to do, or town manager, is to make sure if there's a storm coming that their town oh, yeah. is prepared. Oh, and so that will be one of our, our top priorities. We also have some training seminars planned on issues like cybersecurity, yeah. uh, climate change. Sure. Uh, storm preparedness, municipal budgeting, really the nuts and bolts of what towns need to know to be able to run their town efficiently. Absolutely, and the, those webinars, are per, they sound like they're pretty interesting. Well, it has given us the opportunity to provide cost-effective training. We provide it for free to mm -hmm. our cost members sure. on a wide range of topics, and so that's been a great um, blessing uh, now that we have become so technologically adept at using mm -hmm. Zoom and go to meetings and other platforms. Um, it's been a great way to reach a broader audience of our municipal leaders. And you guys reach how many towns? We currently represent about 115 towns. Okay. So we've gotten some new members, which is great. Okay. Um, but we also have um, a lot of people that are retiring, as I mentioned. Right. And so we'll be looking to add some more members to our board of directors as well. Now, who's on, who's on your board of directors? Anybody locally to my, from this area? Not at this point. Okay. Um, you know, the closest probably Valentown okay. and Brooklyn. Gotcha. Rick Ives and Tracy Hansen. Okay. Um, but we um, would love to have some of the representatives from this area on our board of directors. That means you work with my friend Carl Fortuna. We do work closely with Carl Fortuna. And Carl, I know, recently went on CCM's board of directors. Yes. So we that do. I knew. Carl is a great resource. Oh, absolutely. He's just very uh, has a lot of information on a wide variety of topics. Climate change, among those, I know mm -hmm. he's been very active in, in addressing some of the uh, stormwater, climate change, uh, water pollution control issues in mm -hmm. their community. Right. right. Exactly. Now, as far as cost and with what's going on, you guys are handling the pandemic pretty pretty well as far as doing meetings of course I, I believe now the way of doing things virtually through go to meeting or zoom is probably going to be the nor the normal probably for a while well you're right uh, there is you know an issue though that uh, during the last session because people have become accustomed to participating in their board of selectmen meetings right. by zoom or even their town meetings there was legislation that allows towns to continue to hold remote or hybrid meetings. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is we, we do have a lot of towns, particularly our very small towns, that are uncomfortable if they mandate that all municipal meetings be held remotely right. or 
using a hybrid model. Right. And the reason for that is, is simply logistics. There are so many municipal meetings of every level. They meet all over the town, whether it's in the library, the community center, or the mm -hmm. town hall. And just to have the equipment there oh, yeah. to make sure that it's an efficient, effective uh, remote process is, is just going to be a challenge. So we're looking at those issues. There's actually a task force now that is chaired by uh, former House Speaker Brendan Sharkey. Oh, sure. Looking at remote meetings and how those and whether or not it's viable for towns to hold remote municipal meetings, including town meetings, because that's the big challenge. Oh, yeah. Because with town meetings, you have to validate who's eligible mm -hmm. to vote, any resident or property owner in town is eligible, and you don't know who's going to show up. Um, so that's the big challenge. Would you mind sticking around for another segment? I'd love to. All right, we'll be right, we'll be right back. I've spent my whole life as a physician. I've seen how vaccines have saved people's lives, saved children's lives, saved the lives of the elderly. We now have that opportunity with COVID. We have a vaccine that's safe. We know this vaccine also, through the most rigorous scientific studies and trials, is effective. We have the opportunity to make a difference. But we can only make that difference if everyone gets vaccinated. Information is power, especially in times of uncertainty. In the age of 24-7 breaking news headlines, viral tweets, and social media rumors, we all need to take extra steps to verify information before accepting and sharing what we read online. Whether inaccurate information is purposely posted to deceive or defraud individuals or shared unknowingly by people who believe it's true, misinformation can be dangerous. Is there a vaccine? Are certain blood types immune? Are additional stimulus checks coming? When will we open back up? Questions are expected. And they deserve accurate answers. We need you to rely on information from official sources and credible subject matter experts. For both Connecticut-specific information and federal resources, visit ct.gov backslash coronavirus. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with Betsy Garo, who's the Executive Director of COST. Betsy, welcome back. Thank you. It's great Thank to you. be here. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for sticking around. So, Betsy, we talked a little bit about, in the first segment, exactly what cost is and exactly what you guys do and let's open up the segment we're going to circle back with exactly what cost is you guys do and how closely you work with the local towns that are members of your organization sure the connecticut council of small towns is a municipal advocacy organization and we rely on grassroots advocacy meaning that we call on our first selectmen, mayors, and town managers to communicate with their legislators on issues that are affecting our smaller towns. Mm -hmm. And so we work together. We're in the process of developing a government affairs agenda, and that outlines our legislative priorities for the upcoming session. And then we work with our members to approve those priorities at our town meeting, which will be held in February and then call on them to come up and testify or email or talk to their legislators on a regular basis. We're really lucky that most, by and large, uh, first selectmen and mayors and town mayors have great working relationships with their legislative delegations. They're in communication on a regular basis. And so when we have an issue and that first selectman or mayor picks up the phone and calls their legislator, they pay attention. Right. Um, you know, as they say, all politics is local. Mm -hmm. And so it does position us very well in the legislative process. 
In addition, COST maintains a full-time presence up at the state capitol. If they open, which we hope they do, we right. are there every day uh, making sure that we are meeting with legislators, bringing our municipal leaders up to meet with their legislative delegations and the legislative leaders and communicating on a regular basis. Now again, we talked about in the first segment the 2022 legislative session and what, what topics might come up in the session. What do you think? Well, it's a broad range of topics might come up. Um, typically in a short session, they only focus on committee raised bills rather right. than individual raised bills. Okay. So that it whittles down the number of bills that you might see. But as I, I do believe we're gonna see something on, on addressing juvenile crime. Okay. Certainly issues related to the transportation climate initiative mm -hmm. and addressing climate change. One of the issues that COST has uh, identified as a big priority is really addressing solid waste management issues. Yeah. We have a lot of towns right now that are contracting with the um, MIRA, which is yep. the waste to energy facility, waste or trash to waste, messing <laughs> that up, trash to energy facility in Hartford, but it serves several towns in that region. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that facility is scheduled to close uh, in a couple of years. And although we're looking at ways of addressing solid waste management, reducing yeah. uh, the amount of solid waste that is generated and improving recycling, a lot of those initiatives aren't really gonna make a dent in the solid waste management crisis. Right. And so we need to do something to make sure that those facilities remain viable for at least the next couple of years. Because so. the only other option is to truck that those uh, waste. that waste out of state right. because there are no new landfills in this state no, so that's no, no. going to be a big issue now what i believe you said the acronym is mira yes what they, they and what exactly do they do well mira is the uh, entity that ha that oversees the waste uh, waste to energy facility okay now let's talk a little bit about the waste to the waste to energy and the way that works? Well, it's something you know that has been in place for a number of years. Okay. However, the facility is getting older. It is in need of investment. And unfortunately, the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection sure. just did not approve the contract that was out, the request for proposal that was out to ensure that the investments could be made in that facility. So we're kind of in limbo right now. You also have the issue that there are a number of members of the MIRA board that are stepping down because they're either not serving uh, in that capacity or they just are moving on to in other areas. Right. And so they don't have a, a the super majority needed right now to approve various contract provisions. So it's kind of a mess and we're, we're not sure that it's getting the attention it deserves. So we are calling on our members to meet with the legislators on the Environment Committee to see whether the legislature could come up with a solution to help us address that issue. Now who's on the Environment Committee? Well we have Senator Kristen Cohen from who represents the uh, Guilford, Guilford sure. area. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have Senator Craig Miner who is from the Litchfield County area okay. and um, Representative um, Gresco, Joe Gresco, who is from Stratford. Okay. 
and uh, then there's a, a number of other legislators from the area. The Environment Committee, it's definitely a big area where there's a lot of discussion of various issues affecting municipalities, so it's one that we pay close attention to. In addition, sure. legislation may end up having to go through the Energy Committee, which is chaired by Senator Norm Needleman and mm -hmm. Senator Paul Formica oh. also serves as the ranking member on that committee. Senator Formica is actually a, a regular with me. <laughs> well, that's good to Senator know. Paul, Senator Paul is, is, is a regular, usually a regular with me on the show. He's a very, very hospitable guy and he's very friendly to me. It's like any time I call, I call his office for something. Well, both he and Norm have yeah. municipal experience. Right. And Norm continues to serve as the uh, first selectman of the town of Essex. That's right. And Paul, as you know, was the first selectman of the town of East Lyme. And, right. and that's incredible because it, when they understand what the challenges that towns are facing, it makes it so much easier to advocate mm -hmm. uh, on issues that are, are affecting our small towns. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially with the area of small towns, you guys are probably doing as well as can be expected, especially during the time of the pandemic. The towns are doing a great job, and I, you know, as we step up to our municipal election on November second, I right. really hope that people take time to thank those of the those uh, individuals who are running for office, who are serving on various local boards and commissions, because they really do work extremely hard, and this has been a huge challenge oh, absolutely. Uh, for everyone. Absolutely. I mean, serving as first selectman or mayor, town manager is a twenty-four-seven right. job more so during the pandemic. Uh, they were the, the point person for issues that affected their community in terms of responding to the public health crisis, right. but also now positioning their towns for social and economic recovery. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I know that some, like some towns in the area have first selectmen, some towns have mayors. We actually, in the town that I live in, have a town manager. We, have, we switched over to the town manager form of government to govern the town that I live in a couple years ago. Yeah, we, there's all forms of government and I think you, you do see some of the smaller towns because the running a town is becoming more complex right. that they do decide to move to a town manager form of government. Others are fortunate to have some great municipal leaders in place. Mm -hmm. Fortuna is one of those. And he certainly, um, people like that are, are certainly a blessing because again, it's a 24 seven hour job. I don't know how they do it. They can't go to the grocery store, <laughs> restaurant without someone kind of tapping them on the shoulder and saying, well, wait a minute, what about my road? Or my, exactly. You know, so. Exactly, as a matter of fact, my mom was the, was on the board of selectmen in the town of Clinton. And for a while, she was actually the second selectman in the town of Clinton. So anytime the first selectman would be out of town, she would be in charge. Going, a simple thing like going to the grocery store would be a two, two and a half hour project because everybody wants to stop and talk to you. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like I'm going to the grocery store. You want to come with me? No, I'm good. It's a real it's, balancing act. It is. And I think the advent of social media, unfortunately, has made it an even more difficult job right. because people are not shy about weighing in on no. Facebook or Twitter, and it's just not very productive, unfortunately. No, ab ab absolutely not. Absolutely not. And how important is it, do you think, for people, especially on Tuesday being Election Day, 
to get out there and vote in the town or municipality that you live in. It's absolutely critical that they get out and vote. When you think about how your local officials affect your day-to-day -day life and mm -hmm. your community, um, it's unfortunate that more people don't get out to vote, that more people don't pay attention to some of the local issues at right. hand. Uh, and we don't expect that the turnout will be as high as during a presidential election no. or even a gubernatorial election. Right. But it is important uh, to get out there and make sure that your you know, vote matters and Absolutely. that um, you hold these folks accountable, but also uh, thank them for the, their public service. Absolutely. And it is a public service. I have to say we have a few members of our board of directors that are retiring as first mm -hmm. selectmen, sure. and yet they're going right back on either the board of finance or the board yeah. of education because public service is just ingrained in them, and they feel very strongly that they have something very good to offer their community. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a very very vital vital part of the community to get involved and be involved and volunteer and vote and all that other fun. It is. It really is. It is. It is. And Betsy Gar, we're about to run out of time, so I want to thank you for coming down, and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Great. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Thanks Betsy. Take care. On behalf of Betsy Gara, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night, and we'll see you next time.